Hello and welcome to Oops I Talk Politics, the left-wing political podcast where we talk about politics, both in history and in pop culture. I'm Ryan. I'm Sly. I'm Phil. And I'm Daryl. And we're talking mostly history this time. Wow. I hate history. <laughs> Good thing you're a history teacher, right, Phil? Uh, yeah, so say all my students. <laughs> they love it. So say we all. Yeah, so say we all. <laughs> so uh, we're going to be talking about like election stuff, like weird historical elections. How the election system even works. Yeah, how the election system is weird. Because it's almost election day. Everybody should vote. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. please vote. This is like a topic that we can go on for forever about, but we're going to try and keep it somewhat succinct. Yeah, about U- U.S. elections are pretty weird, like globally. Like, we've talked about this in the past, how... And, and in general, like how kind yeah. of anachronistic they can be. Yeah. <laughs> I often am like, I, I'm often lauding the United States because I'm like, we're one of the first countries that actually had fucking elections. Mm-hmm. And then, but then I'm like, we also kept doing the same thing for 250 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Being the first with a product usually makes you the worst with that product in a lot of ways. Yeah, not worse. I, I don't know if we are the worst at it. There are countries where, like, the elections are actually just jokes, like... Mm-hmm. Russia. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot, like, most... There's, there's, most... A, there's, like, there's, like, a laundry list of errors that other countries... Like, there's a reason why we're going to electoral college. Yeah. But you're, you're saying, like, the other countries do better. Like, you're talking about, like, Western European countries. Like, yeah. there are, there's plenty of countries who have presidents in, like, in Central Africa that I, are, like... I, I should clarify. You know. the, ones we, the ones we influenced, like, they, they were directly influenced from us. There's a reason oh, why yeah, they, they, were, they were like, we like America, but not all this stuff. And they cut out all this stuff and kept the good yeah. parts, basically. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this isn't going to be a, like, everything about elections. It's just some specific topics that we found interesting that we thought are worth talking about. So this is by no means inclusive of everything that matters with elections. It's but not? I don't I don't think so. Turn podcast, then. <laughs> this this is the only episode of uh, or topic discussion of po- elections you'll ever have to know. You can stop <laughs> focusing on the topic ever again. Yeah, so I was going to say, that should be our claim to fame. Okay, fine. This is... Inclusive in an hour, <laughs> learn everything you need to know about all elections, and we're not even going to start from the beginning. We're going to start. <laughs> so first, I'd like to go through the deadlines of every single voter registration in all fifty states, so that everybody knows. Today, no. right now, today, you register. Right. You probably missed it. <laughs> yeah, probably missed yeah, it. Actually, yeah. <laughs> so okay, there was a big election news story recently. It was about that the DNC had voted to remove super delegates and a lot of caucuses. Are they like Superman? He's my favorite. No, so when you go to vote in a presidential primary, it's an what's in- DNC dunce? <laughs> Democratic <laughs> National Convention. I'm gonna call them now on the dunce. That's we'll pretty talk good. About the dunce so when you go to vote in a presidential primary, it's an indirect election wherein you're not actually picking your candidate. Instead, you're determining the number of delegates, like people, that the nominees will receive to represent your respective state and vote for the person you tell them to vote for. That sounds dumb. Our listener might be thinking. Yes. Yeah, which is why I say that this is like, it's weird how anachronistic it is and that we still have to send people places to register our vote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a needless uh, middleman. 
Yeah. So basically, when you vote, you're saying, I want these people to go and represent, you know, Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton at the DNC, and whoever secures a majority of the 2,383 delegates wins the nomination out of the total of 4,765. And this number is determined by the DNC, just like the RNC determines their own numbers. They have like a different amount of delegates and everything, which is why we could talk about this forever. It's it's like, why do they have a different number than us? Yeah. Why do they have less delegates, but more, what was it, like independent or something? It's worth noting that like none of this stuff is like in the Constitution. This is, these are private political groups that are like, here's how we're going to run our party. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's changed over time like quite a bit too. Like this hasn't been something it's like the founding fathers intended it this way. Yeah. So what superdelegates are is that they are individuals that act as the embodiment of the institutional Democratic Party and account for around 15% of the delegate numbers, specifically 714. The bulk of them are DNC members and U.S. representatives from Congress. There's also in there senators, governors, and a few distinguished party leaders, which means former presidents, vice presidents, DNC chairmen, etc. If this sounds dumb, like, hey, why do we have these like individuals that ostensibly have as much power as whole districts? It's because they're a contingency plan for the establishment Democrats. To understand why the establishment would want to protect itself from outsiders, we need to look not at the 2016 primary we had, but instead back to the 1968 primary. In it, anti-war Senator Eugene McCarthy ran against Robert F. Kennedy and incumbent President Lyndon B. Johnson. After barely winning the New Hampshire primary and facing dissent within his own party, Johnson dropped out of the race and was replaced by Vice President Hubert Humphrey, who collected Johnson's delegates. Humphrey ended up winning the, the nomination despite not entering 13 state primary elections, as he instead collected delegates in caucus states controlled by local Democratic Party leaders and labor unions. Humphrey then went on to get crushed by Richard Nixon, who ousted him 301 to 191 electoral votes. Uh, afterwards, a, a commission was instated to see what could be changed after that loss, since it felt as though the Democratic Party's nomination was subject to too much control by the party leaders and needed to be more responsive to the will of the people. So the rules were made to shift the balance of power to primary elections and caucuses, which saw the number of primaries double from 17 to 35 in 12 years. Which means the more people that voted, that they'd be able to nominate who they wanted, mm -hmm. essentially. But despite this, Democrats continued to remain unsuccessful in the general. The 1972 primary saw the grassroots anti-war senator, George McGovern, which we'll learn about more later, edging out Hubert Humphrey for the nomination. Which, fun fact, McGovern was one of the two people responsible for pushing the DNC to focus on primaries. But during the presidential election, Nixon crushed McGovern 520 electoral votes to 17. Yeah, the <laughs> second biggest uh, uh, like crushing in American history. I think Reagan was the number one. That's yeah. so bad. <laughs> yeah, McGovern was so fucked like near the end of his uh, campaign. Like a heckler was uh, heckling him, and McGovern <laughs> told him to kiss his ass. Uh, like he didn't, he didn't give a fuck anymore. Like he knew he was fucked. <laughs> it's funny because nowadays, like I wouldn't even think of that as like yeah. a campaign-ending shock. Yeah, yeah, Trump, the actual president's like kiss my ass. Everyone would be like, well, it's just a normal day. Yeah, know? they'd be like, awesome, brave, brave president. <laughs> but even like three years ago, I would have considered that like campaign-ending. Yeah, yeah to like yell at the press to kiss my ass. Twenty sixteen was a paradigm shift. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A paradigm, like, drop. Yeah. Yeah. 
And despite Jimmy Carter winning in 1976, it was 50% of the vote for 48%, so not like a decisive victory. Yeah. Uh, Dem saw another substantial defeat with Reagan v. Carter in 1980, which was 489 electoral votes to 49. This resulted in the Democratic Party affiliation plummeting by 10% from 41 to 31 so the DNC ruminated on this problem further, and over the course of several meetings, realizing the pendulum had swung too far in favor of the progressive base, basically electing people that wouldn't do well in the general, they instituted the use of superdelegates as a way to balance the wishes of the Democrats with the collective wisdom of party leaders. This process has changed over time. Like, as we know right now, superdelegates have now been relegated to being tiebreakers in the 2020 election. But I thought it was interesting that they were originally used to keep outsiders out because we or Democrats would elect people like McGovern, which would just get squashed in the general election. Yeah, it's an interesting idea. Like, you know, the the will of the people versus like people who are, are actual politicians who are like, I have a I feel like I have a better knowledge than a farmer, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was specifically like th- this is put in place to keep out people like Trump on our side from winning. Yeah, or yeah. Bernie though. Or Bernie yeah. Sanders. That's what. Uh, <laughs> yeah. When that was, uh, I don't know if you guys heard it, but one reason I was interested in McGovern was because uh, Bernie was often called the McGovern of of 2016, mm. and mm. if he ever won, he was uh, uh, will be like fucking crushed again. And decades of Trump under. Um, Although I I wonder when you have a, a Bernie a McGovern on both sides, like yeah, yeah. like yeah. Trump was essentially their outsider too. So that would have been more interesting than of traditional Republican versus Bernie. Yeah, mm-hmm. and one of the big superdelegates arguments that I like heard a lot during the 2016 election was a lot of people said that like they don't sway the they've never swayed an election away from who won, mm-hmm. but they did like artificially inflate the numbers at the beginning. So like if you looked at Bernie and Hillary, it looked like Hillary was already yeah. halfway yes. there when no yeah, states yeah. have been called, and and that's inherently deceitful because uh, they they do swing uh, when it comes to vote time that they did of Obama. But they kept tallying it with Hillary from the start, so to make it seem like, wow, she has such a huge lead, yeah. no chance for Bernie to get the fuck out of this election. So that's the big thing is like the Obama campaign had the same problem at the beginning, but he won enough yeah. states to push them yeah. over. But when you have someone like more like the radical person, like you guys are talking about, the the outsider, it sends the message to people that Bernie is unelectable because look at how far behind he is already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though that's not a real thing, so like. I could see the argument that they don't actually have their finger on the scale if everybody paid enough attention and knew everything about this. But if you're just looking at the CNN delegate counter, you know, and you're like a more casual voter, then yeah, yeah, like most it, voters. It's like it's yeah, like they exactly. don't have they don't have their finger on the scale, but they are showing you a video of the scale tipping one way already. Yeah, like, exactly, exactly. It's also they they will flip over to the winning side. So yes, they're like, yeah. we're never influencing. Like we're always with the winning side type of a deal. So they're yeah. never in the wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's like plausible deniability. I'm not doing anything bad. Yeah, exactly. And I wonder if I wonder I guess my feelings on like the like the Carter and McGovern getting crushed like do we need p- political insiders or whatever? I guess it would matter on what happens to the Republican Party because if they're all going to be like crazy assholes with Trump's base then I have no worry whatsoever that a radical progressive will win. And by no worry, I mean it still keeps me up at night all the time, but less so. I mean, Yeah, because you see the the reverse argument, though, yeah. where it's like, if Hillary lost against Trump, imagine how bad. Yeah. There are some establishment people that make that. It's like, it, that no one in America wants like a socialist running, so imagine how bad Bernie would have lost by if he had been competing. 
Whereas I think it's it's harder to try and predict against Trump who does better, where it's more like... It's, it's one of those things that I think, though, since a lot of Trump's, like, surprise support came from these people who were just like, fuck the establishment, man. Yeah. Like, those people are not like, I need a, you know, well-established policy pusher. Yeah. They, they're like, you <laughs> yeah. know, they... they yeah. If you voted for Trump, you're not interested in policy. Yeah, they're like, just burn the system down. Like, Bernie, like, would have provided that outlet just yeah. as well. Yeah, Bernie did better at head-to-head matches against Trump in polls than Hillary did. I think yeah, that way it was but I also think it's Trump. it's important to be cautious about like well these polls said this when yeah. we were wrong yeah, about every Hillary we were wrong they, he had he had like a fifteen percent chance of winning and he, and that happened fifteen yeah. percent yeah. happens no but I mean like you know what I mean like it's yeah. I don't want to put the whole base on like this definitely would have happened I agree no that no, I, no no yeah yeah and, 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 yeah we can't speculate over twenty you, you can never say anything definitely would have happened but you no, can say like this was like a likely yeah. scenario yeah yeah, yeah and the reason but we have to clarify like the when people talk about polls in twenty sixteen. A lot of them were within the margin of error, and a lot of, like, yeah, yeah. So, like, I find it so bizarre when Trump people are like, "You create like all the polls were fake news. They all lied. They all said Trump couldn't win. They said Trump had like a twenty to fifteen percent chance of winning, which is shit." But you know that happens fifteen to twenty percent of the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of the big things I've always like, I don't know why they don't get this is like uh, that five thirty eight brought up is that if one like states polling is like wrong or thrown off, or they didn't account for how many people said they would vote. Uh, Clinton, but instead voted Trump, that all the other states would follow in suit with that type of thing. Where it, instead of being like, it's just like such a phenomenal defeat because every state's against her, it's like, well, there's this whole unaccounted base mm-hmm. that does poll and does go and support Trump. And that that, it, it was, it's just. I think dumb. it's way too nuanced <laughs> for Trump voters. They see that the poll people are wrong and Trump wins. Yeah. Trump will always poll people win. wrong means experts wrong means. I it's all fake news means I only have to believe what I want to believe. Yeah. Got them liberals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Daryl, you mentioned the website five thirty eight, right? <laughs> yeah. Nice. And that I like them. I like them even though they're completely erroneous and always wrong and don't ever right. Well, what a weird name. What a weird number to pick. No, it's not. I mean, out of like one to a thousand, it has a one in a thousand chance it can happen. <laughs> So the the reason why it's called 538, if people don't know, is because that's how many people there are, people, in the Electoral College. And the Electoral College... I went there for school. Yeah, that's where I got my degree, the Electoral College. (laughs) Yeah. So the Electoral College is how we elect our president, and it's a very weird system that a lot of people hate and a lot of people like. It's old school. It's It's like really old school. It's old school, yeah. So it's... Basically, it had two pur- it had two purposes. And what it is is when a state votes for the president, instead of getting just this is how many votes they got, the state mm. gets an, an amount of electors and they're the ones that actually pick the president. And most states, 48 of them, except for Maine and Nebraska, have a winner take all. So if you get New York with 50.1% of the vote, you get all 29 of those electoral delegates. And the winner take all part of it is probably the most problematic part of it. Yeah. And, and and that was a later addition. Based, I forget which state did it first, but basically one state said we can make a winner take all system. And when once 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 one state did that, they all have to do, or else there'll be a disadvantage on yeah. the electoral on the electoral map. Yeah. So now the two reasons why the electoral college existed is because. The Founding Fathers wanted to create a buffer between the population and the selection of a president because they thought people were not smart. And mm-hmm. the, the, mind the same people that like only had white landowning slaves be... <laughs> yes. It was, it was a huge buffer on top of the electoral college yes. already. And yeah. the second was to give the extra power to smaller states. So we'll get to it in a second. And just... <laughs> 
I want to read an excerpt from Federalist 68, which is usually Phil's job, but I'm going to no. usurp you Good. for a second. I love it when anyone reads the Federalist Papers. So. <laughs> so Hamilton feared that a tyrant would manipulate public opinion and like basically do exactly what Trump did and come to power. And he wrote, it was equally desirable that the immediate election should be made by men most capable of analyzing the qualities adapted to the station and acting under circumstances favorable to deliberation and to a judicious combination of all the reasons and inducements which were proper to govern their choice. A small number of persons selected by their fellow citizens from the general mass will be most likely to possess the information and discernment requisite to such complicated investigations. It was also peculiarly desirable to afford as little opportunity as possible to tumult and disorder. This evil was not least to be dreaded in the election of a magistrate who is to have so important an agency in the administration of the government as the president of the United States. But the precautions which have been so happily concerted in the system under consideration promise an effectual security against this mischief. So, yeah, that isn't really what happens anymore. <laughs> also, in his, what he would said too was like, the state elects its electors, but really, since the country's so big now, like, you don't know New York's electors when you're voting. Like, the yeah. idea was back then, if you're from Pennsylvania, you're probably picking people like fucking Ben Franklin and stuff, like, that you know that are your kind of, like, state's, like, political celebrities. Yeah. That you're like, this guy, his job is politics. He's an ambassador and, and a politician, and and when I pick him, I, I trust him to make a wise decision in choosing the president. It's interesting because it's like, back then it was a lot more individualistic in general. Like, yeah. Because uh, mm -hmm. now it's all about parties exclusively. Like, uh, you vote for a Republican, you expect he's going to vote for Republicans into office or whatever. Like, and vote for Republican policies. But back then they thought there, were actually, there actually could be nuance with uh, individual electors. Right. Yeah. So you would have like a, a, a group of New York politicians that you trusted that you're like, I trust you guys to go to D.C. now and pick a president that would have our interests at heart. Not just like, I'm voting D or R and these however many fucking electors New York has. I don't even remember. Uh, 30, <laughs> 35 is it or something? And those anonymous question mark people, I've never heard their names, are going to go and just vote how the state voted. Yeah, more, vote like, like I him. did. Yeah. yeah. So the when it comes to that is like, oh, if well, maybe, you know, the, the there's some examples of noble, faithless electors, as they're called, that overwilled the wrong opinion of the people, which, you know, we could argue about how mm -hmm. pa much power that government should have. But since the founding of the Electoral College, there have been which I, I just want to say even the delegates aren't legally obligated. If yeah. you say yeah. if you vote for this person, they can just not do it. Yeah, well, there have been a hundred states. Yeah, there yeah. have been 157 faithless electors since the founding of the Electoral College. 71 of those votes were changed because the candidate died before the Electoral College day. <laughs> Three were not cast because they choose to abstain, and 82 votes were changed on the personal initiative of the elector. So there's been 82 examples of people saying, I'm not going to vote with the Electoral College. Speaking of the dying thing, another point of the Electoral <laughs> College originally was when you're like, we're voting for president, you have to send people to, to D.C. by horse and carriage, and like, when they get there the idea was circumstances may have changed like you vote for someone and then by the time the electors get to dc and everything you, you might find out like oh that that someone was fucking worshiping the devil like oh that <laughs> someone has been under investigation by the fbi for colluding with yeah. the foreign power <laughs> exactly like when that stuff comes out the point of the electoral college was to be like hey things have changed yeah uh, so we're not doing that mm -hmm. yeah 
So, like you guys mentioned earlier, 29 states have legislation that penalizes faithless electors, but no faithless elector has ever been successfully prosecuted. And 21 states, you know, the other 21, don't mandate that they have to vote for the candidate. And so, to me, if the Electoral College has never done what they said it was supposed to do, and in a lot of places it's illegal to do, why does it exist at all? (laughs) And that brings me to what I think is the one of the also problematic parts, is that it focus it gives a lot of disproportionate authority and power to smaller states it would make sense in theory if they were all distributed equally you know it's all directly proportional to the population but it's not Mm -hmm. what it is is it's everyone first starts with the amount of representatives they have which at the minimum is two senators and one house of representatives member and then everything's distributed on top of that so you have to have at least three. So you have to have at least three. And there are... Even though some states should have, like, one. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. like, states like Alaska, Delaware, Washington, D.C., which isn't a state, but it's North still... North Dakota, it, it there. I'm sure. Montana, North Dakota, and Vermont, and Wyoming all have the... They have the bare minimum of three. And because of that, it makes a state like Wyoming, which has 532 and 668 citizens as of the 2008 census... Versus, like, Texas, which has almost 25 million people, it means one elector for Wyoming represents 177,000 people, where one elector from Texas represents 715,000 people, which is... Seven times, or six to seven times as much. Yeah, it's, that's a huge, huge disparity. So, like, those of us in big, populous states like New York, our vote matters less than people like in North Dakota and Delaware and those kind of states that I mentioned before. It was interesting that it was first established because they're trying to stop the tyranny of the populace, like of of like the big states like New York, California, and Texas, from determining elections. But then it flips it to where now it's like the tyranny of kind of like the small states and the it's the, it's, it's not. I don't think it was ever about like so you're saying it was originally like to to walk, to safeguard from a populist movement. Yeah. But small states we we shouldn't equate with populism because I, yeah. I think a lot of these a lot of the early constitution really was. Trying to get the 13 colonies to sign it was really yeah. tough because the southern states that were smaller are like, fuck off, you're just going to run the show. So mm-hmm. something like having the two, the bicameral house, the two party system, like the two house system for Congress and the Electoral College giving more like uh, power to smaller states was a way to get them to like buy into the country. Yeah. Yeah. Because they were, yeah. they were really like, that's why we, that's part of the, part of the reason uh, slavery continued when some northern states were like, we could get rid of it now. They, like, it really was to compromise. This is also why this is also why yeah. the Senate is bullshit too. And, yeah. and I want to talk about an article from the Washington Post. In about twenty years, half the population will live in eight states. The Weldon mm-hmm. Cooper Center for Public Service of University of Virginia analyzed Census Bureau population projections to estimate each state's likely population in twenty forty. So that means uh, half of the country will be in eight, in eight states. So yeah. the 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 Senate and the Electoral College will be even worse. And uh, and by the way, these the smaller, less populous states, they're easier to uh, basically manipulate because, like, uh, when uh, Citizens United was enacted, it, I was like reading about how it redacted certain uh, local laws, and some of them were in places like Montana or, or uh, in the South that you wouldn't expect to be liberal against uh, big corporations. But the reality is, 
uh, it's super easy for a, a big city a rich guy to come in and basically buy off a bunch of people in a small town and have that town be a free place for them to dump sewage and whatever into it. I think the idea was that if if people all lived in like eight states and you don't have a Senate, uh, those eight states might just say, hey, we're passing a bill that says fuck farmers. And the small farming states are like, but we have no recourse. Yeah. You know? Yeah, the various people now, it's just pretty much a tool to... Uh, uh, help the rich and fuck over the people in those states. Like I was reading, I know. I, I, know. I was reading, you know, in uh, the, uh, you know, Alabama, they dumped New York City sewage into Alabama. Good. Like, uh, <laughs> like I was reading, I was reading. I found out about this because I, when I was reading for the Trump article about the people who asked for Trump's help, like there, there's a town in Alabama that was pushing Trump, like help us. They're dumping uh, New York City shit into our fucking town. Like we need, we need to get rid of it because they actually they literally had a fucking train come from New York City to dump their shit into <laughs> Alabama. And like, and like, and they do that with fucking you know pollution yeah, and yeah. all those stuff. Yeah. And like they're killing. They're slowly, and it's, it's ironic because these towns become uninhabitable. The kids, the young people, leave them. The people, the old people die because now they're getting fucking killed by all these and stuff like that so they're gonna be even, le- even less and less people and probably even think it's gonna be like five people in these towns and they're gonna have all the voting power yeah the original idea was represent all demographics in the senate not just population demographics yeah but uh like you said the power of uh super corporations and lobbyists like overrides that well one yeah. thing i want to point out too is the argument that has been made especially since 2000 when like you know conservative talk radio and stuff has really pushed this argument on why we need the electoral college to not leave behind those states is it's still if the point is to stop them from just campaigning in in specific spots like mm-hmm. cities it actually does the opposite if you look at data yeah. from the 2016 yes. campaign 53% of campaign events for Trump, Hillary, Pence and Kane in the 2 months before the election were only in four states Florida, yeah. yes. Pennsylvania, North Carolina and Ohio and during that time yeah. 87% of campaign visits by the four candidates were in just 12 states and none of the four candidates ever touched 27 different states, which is almost all of rural America. The 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 the, the electoral college uh, idea for helping small states is it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It's it's really they, they care about states that are like kind of half and half liberal and conservative. Uh, yeah. I think I would argue in defense of the Senate, not the electoral college. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, would yeah. as well. But and besides even, that, even when only eight, only eight senators are uh, represent fifty percent of the country. <laughs> Yeah, like, this, this is good. I like the system. I don't that, know. That's a tough it, one for it, me. Yeah, I'd that's... be like, I, I would almost want, I would almost want states to start merging with each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah that'd be, it, that'd, it gets that'd really be weird solution. there. Yeah, yeah. Merging states. Like, I sense, don't know but... if we need so many where we can. Uh... It's that's tough. That's the future. So. <laughs> Yeah, we don't have to think about the future. But even yeah. now, what you're saying, like, if you don't want rural areas ignored, 72% of, Pansil- of Pennsylvania campaign visits in those two months were just to Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. like, all eight campaign visits in the final two months that w- of Michigan for Clinton and Trump were just to Detroit and Grand Rapids. And neither candidate visited any rural parts. Because when it's yeah. winner take all for these states, you yeah. just go to the biggest city in the state yeah, and yeah. you ignore everybody else. So it doesn't even matter. Yeah, maybe they'll visit Michigan more if there's an electoral college and if there's not. But they're still not listening to farmers. They're just going to the cities. Yep. Also, they're yeah. skipping all the other like this, like uh, all the other states that are either considered hopelessly lost or hopelessly in the bag. Like there mm-hmm. are conservatives. There's, there's there's tons of conservatives in California. Like uh, and New York, uh, New York, and New York, yeah, New York. Yeah, yeah. Up, yeah, all of upstate New York. Yeah. most of it yeah. is pretty conservative. Like like uh like black Democrats in the South uh, helped give Hillary a lead, but then their votes didn't really matter much in the, the general election because uh, it was a, uh, the 
the white uh, Republicans outnumbered them, so they, yeah. t- they mm-hmm. took all their votes. So, like, it, it doesn't even, like, it, it gets more, so many more votes than it fucking yes. uh, amplifies. Winner take all is just a fucking abomination, I think, yeah. in general. Well, that's one of the reasons why Trump won so easily the Republican primary, because they had winner take all, where there would, the v- base would all be split, so, like, the cons- the traditional establishment guys would split yeah. between Rubio and Jeb. Yeah, 5% Jeb, three, or 6% Rubio, 7% Cruz, and then 8% Trump, and he wins the whole fucking state. He wins state. the whole state, whereas mm-hmm. the Democratic primary wasn't winner-take-all, so Bernie stayed in a lot longer yeah. than he normally mm-hmm. would have been able to. And It's proportional, so... Yeah, yeah. and I just want to break down, in, in any election, you could game the system where you could get 21.8% of the popular vote and still win the presidency. And that's according to a study done by Jesse Ruderman, where if you won DC, if you won just over 50% of the votes in DC and each of 39 small states, and the other candidate got 100% of votes in the 21 biggest state, you would still win. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a good CGP Grey video that like does it visually shows that. Yeah. And it's like, look how you can win with none of the vote. <laughs> Which is like less than, that means one in five people, a little more than one in five people could vote for you and you could still be president. Any system that lets that happen seems kind of fucked up to me. I yep. agree. I will, I will, uh, since I'm say, always like you know, defending, defending America, I will say, uh, even though that is like a mathematical possibility, only a few times in American history has it ever happened that someone didn't get the popular vote and won. Yes. The, the problem is like all the recent times are happening recently. Because yeah, it's it's happening right now and it's yeah. probably going to keep happening. Yeah, as as the as cities get more and more populated, that's yeah. going to be a more common occurrence. Yeah. Also, yeah. I think I my, my belief is a lot like a lot of times folks says, "Oh, this has worked well for this amount of time." But a lot of that time, everyone agreed like why landowning men are are the mm. only ones that should vote and now we're having blacks minorities voting uh and and and, and trying to have their own voices heard and now uh you have all these rich people trying to find all these loopholes like the electoral college and the supreme court to make sure their uh laws and belief systems are ironclad and uh, other groups cannot enter so i think uh, uh it's, it's very erroneous to point to uh, centuries of uh, white men being able to vote and say, you see, it worked mm-hmm. then, and it doesn't work now. We're having trying to have more diverse voices. Uh, I don't think it's a, co- it's a coincidence it's happening that I, way. I, so I agree with you for the most part there, but it's like, it's not like America has always been, uh, you know, super like non-white and they just didn't get to vote. Like America, for the most part, has and is still like seventy plus percent white. Yeah, so it's now, like, now it's now it's like really starting to change with this. Yes, it is. It is, and and mm-hmm. I and out of that like women couldn't vote for most of the time so yeah. it's like yeah yeah so uh the only reason why we still have well not the only reason but one of the major reasons why we still have the electoral college and why we're like it should be gone but what are you going to do about it is because t- you would have to have a constitutional amendment which would need three-fourths of the states to ratify it and yeah. that would give the and f- including and in those none of the small states are gonna do it <laughs> exactly so that's yeah. the problem so as phil was saying there's only five times in history that we have picked that the loser of the popular vote has gone on to win that was in 1824 1876 1888 2000 for bush v gore and 2016 hillary and trump and so phil you want to go into more detail about those so like we said uh, there have been a few times where the person who wins the popular vote does not win the electoral college vote and like we said um two of them are kind of recent but a few of them now, are is from- that counting all the people who voted illegally uh, the millions, the millions. <laughs> the millions of people, because according to Trump, uh, yeah. if you if you don't count those, then he won handily. Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't think we need to. 
account for Trump's <laughs> fantasies. Yeah, for some reason, yeah. uh, statisticians actually don't count his ideas as just stats. <laughs> I don't know why. And if, if just to contextualize this episode, we're doing this after we found out most of the people in his cabinet don't listen to anything Trump says either. <laughs> and they'll yeah. actually uh, ignore memos and stuff he sends. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I've often, because I... I guess I just feel like I have to. I get defensive. I, I've often been like praising of the U.S.'s um, election system, be- partially because it 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 existed at a time when a peaceful transfer of power from one person to the other was kind of a crazy idea. There's nothing Phil likes better than licking the boots of the oppressors. Yeah, capitalist uh, <laughs> scum. Uh, I I do like uh, saying how there we we take for granted a lot like how a, a transfer of power can be so seamless mm-hmm. and especially in the 18th century that was just not a thing that was done that someone could have the control of the military and be in charge of a country and say okay i'm done and then someone steps up and says now me and everyone says okay like that's kind of a crazy thing yeah it is it's still a crazy thing that uh, it's it's worked for so long too yeah it yeah. it really is but there have been some elections that were honestly pretty nuts that really are not standard in terms of what american elections look like and one of the first ones is like the third election the election of 1800 so if any hamilton fans are out there uh, you know the election of 1800 was between thomas jefferson um and aaron burr and john adams was there too uh, <laughs> he, he fucking loses <laughs> fuck john adams and the yeah. john adams was not a very not very popular and wasn't this also the election, like, that it was the first, like, really slanderous in the press? Like, didn't they accuse John yeah. Adams of being, like, a tr- like like a woman in disguise or something? Yeah, they did. <laughs> and actually, not just... It, if you ever think of... that 2016 was particularly volatile. I think Jefferson said that he, like, was... He had the, like, strength of a woman without any of the charm or, like, something, <laughs> oh, yeah. like, really yeah. ridiculous. He did. Yeah, I remember reading he that. Did. This was also the first time people campaigned at all because if you, our first president was was Washington and people were just like you're president now he's like okay and then <laughs> Adams was like his second in command kind of so he was just like naturally kind of won I mean Jefferson did run against him that time too but after four years of Adams people were like all right we <laughs> that's yeah. good well that's interesting so like Adams was the first time they were like fuck this president let's get another one <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 first incumbent to just lose so. What's interesting is Jefferson and Aaron Burr were in the same party, actually, running against each other. And even with the split vote of the Democratic Republicans, <laughs> Adams still loses as the federal <laughs> <laughs> So what's interesting about this is they actually both tied with 73 electoral votes. And what happens then is Congress actually has to break the tie. And famously, again, if you are a Hamilton musical fan, uh, you know, it, it comes up in the musical. It's like up to him to decide. But really, it's it's him urging Congress to vote for Jefferson over Burr. He's like, Burr's an asshole who only cares about himself. He doesn't think about the country. And which was a pretty big statement from Hamilton as someone who had fought tooth and nail against Jefferson in the press. Um, so it, they were like, if he's supporting Jefferson over Burr, Burr must really suck. Yeah, it's, it's not the fact that he had like one vote and went down to Hamilton. It's the fact that even with his... Uh, History with Jefferson, he still thought Burr was the worst choice. Yeah. No, but but at then Burr respectfully agreed and then went away and never did anything, right? <laughs> right. Uh, but after this, he actually has his famous duel with Hamilton because he's like, you've been you've been literally because in in the so the musical is a little weird where they're like, oh, they were friends, but then you know this kind of like was the wedge between them. But really, like Hamilton had been shitting on Burr in the press for a long time, actually. <laughs> like, well, that's he, not as a story to have, especially them be friends and go against each other over the dignity of the office to protect America. Yeah. And, 
Yeah. Uh, Burr was actually also the attorney it for the divorce attorney for the woman that Hamilton had an affair with. Yep, that is true. That's a weird weird fact. And also in eighteen, I think I think eighteen oh four, Burr is running for uh, New York governor, and Hamilton comes out again. He's like, that guy's an asshole. He sucks. He's a piece of shit. And so after that, he's like, I'm gonna fucking kill you, Hamilton, and he does. Yeah, and then uh, go listen to our dueling episode on weird yeah. laws. Oh yeah. Yep. So that was one of the first crazy elections. People are campaigning for the first time. They're slandering each other in the press for the first time. We have a tie, which is broken up by Congress, which results in a duel. Um, so that's a that's a pretty nuts election. Um, 1824 is another one that you mentioned where um, the popular vote uh, is not the person who wins. And this is actually a, a four-way, you know, like us. We all love four-ways. Uh, <laughs> between Andrew Jackson, John Quincy Adams, Henry Clay... I don't remember the last guy. Uh, <laughs> he not not important. Um, I guess I have to remember after the third fucking candidate. In the yeah, Hen- and the reason I remember the other ones is because John Quincy Adams wins. Andrew Jackson eventually. Uh, William wins. Crawford. Crawford. There we go. And Henry Clay, you may know if you know your U.S. history as the Great Compromiser. He came up with like the Compromise of 1850 and basically postponed the Civil War for a long time. So what happened here was there was a four-way r- race. No one won the required amount of votes. And Andrew Jackson actually wins the popular vote here. So he says to the, you know, he's like, I win. Like, you know, no one wins the amounts that we need, but I won the popular vote. But Henry Clay is the Speaker of the House at the time. So he goes to the House and he's like, hey, let's all vote for John Quincy Adams instead because they have to break the tie again. What a compromiser. (laughs) Yeah. And... John Quincy Adams gives him a spot in his cabinet or something. Yeah, that's the compromise. Vote for him, and then I'll get a better job. Yep. And so this is famously, Andrew Jackson calls this the corrupt bargain. He's like, this was, I got cheated out of my election. And that's why next election he spanks, uh, spanks John Quincy Adams. (laughs) Another Adams who people had for four years and was like, (laughs) we don't want him. His son, you know, just didn't live up to his dad who also sucked. Yeah. (laughs) And he, but he believed in uh, mole people underneath the fucking hollow earth. <laughs> oh, yeah, you did. You did mention that. Next big crazy election was the election of 1860. Pro- probably many people know this as the election where uh, Lincoln got elected and basically sparked the Civil War. Um, this really showed how divided the nation was literally between North and South. Literally, Lincoln was not on the ballot in any Southern state and still won. So, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so no it's Southern states had a... seeing how different, yeah. like, third parties were, like, viable at certain points. The same candidates used to... Uh, same parties used to run against each other. Yes, we had four ways. All these weird things used to be possible before, like, the modern era. It, yeah, well, yeah. It's also weird, like, when I was looking at the, the 1970 races, that there were a couple of them in which you'd see a third party candidate actually win one or, th- or three or four states. Yeah. yeah which yeah, was, yeah. again, like, that's... I can't even imagine that nowadays. Yeah. And th- there were some independents, like Ross Perot, like, I actually mm-hmm. won a lot of votes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Teddy Roosevelt ran as uh, independent. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. So Lincoln gets elected uh, with no Southern vote. So the South really is like, okay, this guy literally has, he doesn't care about us because he, none of us elected him mm-hmm. and they, they secede. Um, so that's one of the big ones. And it showed also like the North had so many more people that even with no Southern votes, they, he could still win, which is also why it's stupid to start a war with the side that has so many more people that they can just <laughs> outvote you. Like, obviously they're going to win if they have three times the amount of people. Anyway. 
Phil, you're saying you don't side with the South in the Civil War? Not just that I don't side with them. I'm like, it's it's an unwinnable. It's kind of an unwinnable war in the first place. Phil's anti-Confederacy, not for the moral reasons, but for the for the logistical. No, look, you you know if you heard me drunk in college, like I am very much anti-Confederacy, and I always have I always have hated them. But it's like as time has gone on, and I've I've accepted that they they were morally like wrong. It's like it was also impractical. It was also impractical. You're finding more layers to this stupidity. Yeah. yeah. I like, want to I wanna tell a rare personal anecdote that what, the maddest I think I've ever seen Phil get at me was when he got drunk and I took his laptop and rearranged his whole Facebook to be all about the <laughs> South will rise again and, <laughs> and made it all Confederacy pictures. And wow, were you pissed. I don't like the Confederacy. <laughs> I, I can't wait till that's used against Phil in like ten more years. <laughs> Confederacy's the mainstream now. Yeah, so. during Phil's confirmation hearing for Supreme Court. Yeah, they'll be like, "Oh, what's this?" Yeah, Confederacy. You have to support those traitors to the Union. And why is your about me a Nickelback song? <laughs> I, I the one thing I will say is I they're they're like I guess if your plan is like you don't win the war, you just you like like what the U.S. did against Britain or the colonies did. You're like you don't have to win. You just have to make them stop wanting to fight. Like yeah, I guess you down by like attrition. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of like strategy. that was kind of the strategy of like the North eventually will want to stop sending guys to die in a swamp in Alabama and, mm-hmm. and like or Louisiana. I think they were expecting more uh, support from the global stage. I think because they they, they, tra- they, they traded more yeah. than the North. They were trying to get Britain and France to ally with that. I feel like cause... attrition can work when there's like actually an ocean between two countries or the <laughs> war states. Yes, yes, <laughs> uh, it, it, yeah. And like Sly said, they were like hoping for the again the American Revolution strategy. You're like get foreign support, but when you're like this is about slavery now, and then the the foreign countries like we banned that, so we can't <laughs> support. It's about, uh, it's about states' rights, right? Yeah, all right. Yeah. The, the war of no aggression. The, the right to own slaves. <laughs> yeah, the, exactly. Um, <laughs> anyway, let's not. Yeah, we. I can talk about the fucking civil war whole podcast. Another crazy 19th century election was the election of 1876. After the Civil War's over, Reconstruction's happening, northern troops are literally occupying the South and broken up into military districts. And to make sure that they aren't a bunch of pieces of shit. Yeah, and to make sure that they're not going to start another fucking rebellion. And to kind of ensure that the new amendments get enforced, the, uh, you know, freeing African Americans from slavery and allowing them to vote. Um, but in 1876, we have a weird election between the democrat southern democrat obviously the democrats with the southerners at the time samuel tilden versus uh, republican hayes and basically tilden wins the popular vote and he doesn't win the electoral vote though so they're they're again congress again has to come in and break the tie but they couldn't in congress break the tie either because they were so split so they basically come to this decision where congress says hey We'll let Hayes, the Republican, Northern Republican, be president. We'll, we'll vote him in. And in return, we want something. So they they basically make what's called the Compromise of 1877. We'll elect Hayes for the North. But in return, he has to remove all Northern troops from the South. So basically, this, this is what's considered like the end of Reconstruction. Because it's the Southern Congress people giving away the presidency in return for ending... All rights blacks were earning in the South. Yeah, so you know mm. when one when one journey ends, another begins. So it begins the Jim Crow era. Yeah, Good exactly. Job. Good job, guys. This, this is what I mean when I, when I talked about uh, it was easy to make compromises back when there was swaths of the population you, you, had, you could ignore their uh, yeah entire uh, worthiness. Yes. Yeah. And one thing I just want to point out is 
They when you say Tilden won the popular vote, it was by three percent, which is the biggest gap that I could find between any any of these elections. It is, and it, is. it also had the highest voter turnout in American history at eighty one point eight percent. So I think that's just kind of like a big stain on where we're always complaining about voter turnout and people don't vote. And the time that the most Americans voted, Congress was like, nah, we'll just give it to somebody else. All, I was, you know, in 1860, it was one of the biggest turnouts, too, because people who were anti-Lincoln all came out for Breckenridge, and all, all the people who were anti-slavery, pro-Lincoln were came that out That was 81.2%. That was the second highest. You oh, were good. right. Good, good, good. I'm glad. <laughs> so th- those are the main crazy elections I wanted to talk about, but... There was a, the more recent one in 2000. Uh, we all know pretty well. It's pretty crazy because George Bush loses the popular vote to Al Gore. And then they're like, let's do a recount in Florida where Jeb Bush, his brother, was governor. <laughs> and then the Supreme Court's like, no, no recount. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. They're, they're, they're like, oh, conservatives are like, oh, states' rights, states' rights. And they said, no. Florida doesn't have the right to recount their votes. You will elect President Bush. So the, the Supreme Court basically uh, chose a president for the country. Yep. Yep. And that's pretty crazy. Like, that's not a, something... Like, again, in all these elections, we have Congress having to, to come in to break a tie, like, three times. And then 100 year, 130 years later, we have uh, this awkward situation where there's a it's literally one state's recount that matters and the supreme court says uh they voted for bush the first time and what what was their argument the majority opinion was like by re like drawing out the recount we're hurting the integrity of the american election system yeah it was bullshit and it's bullshit because you know what hurts it more is when the guy who lost the popular vote wins and al gore won by every single possible fucking recount and yeah and it was it was called early by fox news back when people saw fox news was a real news station and they were pushing it oh it's called and people like fox news called it fox news called it and they pushed the narrative to the rest Mm -hmm. of the media so it became like there's a whole machine going on like the the republican machine that was building for decades but came into fruition of jeb bush and the Supreme Court and Fox News all basically push this narrative and making that the mainstream narrative of Al Gore's being disrespectful by keeping this out. Yeah, it's like, talk about like a devastating election loss. That was, yeah. that's huge. Yeah. And especially in historical context where like Bush basically redefined America's foreign policy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's really like, you know, we could have a whole, we probably have fucking had episodes on the media, but you could have an episode on just how, like you're saying how the Republican machine everywhere, it's like, the the media portion of it, the the post Nixon Fox News portion of it, allows the other mechanisms to work because yes. mm-hmm. people are willing to support these candidates who would be, have been considered so fucking political in the Supreme Court or in or or people like Jeb Bush because Fox News is constantly telling them it's okay. Like yeah. these, these some of these people that are, are are so fucking so polar and political that may have never been in the past like acceptable are okay because Fox News is always like, you know, the Democrats are trying to, uh, you know, abort three-year-old children and whatever. You can yeah, draw a yeah. very clear line from the 2000 election to Trump. Yeah. 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 Well, considering Chip Bush ran against Trump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go listen to, more, uh, to our uh, Roger Ailes episode to learn more about how... Yeah, like... Phil wasn't there for that. Oh, yeah. that's why I didn't remember this. I was like, <laughs> we can talk about this for a whole episode. We did. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. there. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but um, of course, that's not why Gore lost. It was because he sighed during the debate. Um, what? A, a, a narrative <laughs> what? that Fox News pushed, even though the, the night of everyone thought Gore won the debate, but Fox News said, push it. Look, he looks so fucking haughty, sighing. So uh, clearly, Bush won the debate. 
I love that haughtiness is like the sign he's of. He's a hottie. Like... He's a hottie guy. Yeah, he's hottie. <laughs> but like, uh, that's what Gore's. Gore is pretty. Can... He's a handsome guy. I think yeah, he's okay. okay. He's like he's okay at best. <laughs> <laughs> he's not Bill Clinton. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I don't know. Bill Clinton. Everyone thought Bill Clinton was hot, but let's really? get to. Uh, Bill Clinton was. I don't know. I was a I was a little kid. I didn't have a libido yet. Yeah, JF, uh, uh, Clinton's no JFK. That's we can oh, all that's, agree. That's JFK's a handsome man. Yeah. yeah. But uh, this is all segue to my topic, which is like when a dumb times the media like says always says like just decide the election. It's not like all, all the money being spent in local <laughs> races. Not the uh, people coming out to uh, go door to door. Not the people like all the money going around. All the people coming out to vote. Not all the campaign it's none of that it's all like these one moments on tv because uh, well, it treats the election like a, a sports narrative that is yes. more fun to talk about than oh it's because they had more grassroots activism in the rust belt yeah yeah and, and uh you know segue segue is perfectly what phil was talking about how this is so, like fox News like helps that because now it's they're using their media machine to purposely skew the narrative but you know it's, it's never been skewed for decades uh, starting with the 1972 primaries which that I'll touch upon. Uh, Edwin Muskie was a front runner for the Democrats. Uh, he was a U.S. vice president uh, nominee, uh, former vice, vice president nominee, mm-hmm. and uh, he was going up against Nixon until uh, on February uh, they released a Canuck letter published in the Manchester Union Leader. The letter claimed that uh, Muskie had repeatedly made slanderous comments towards French Canadians, and that his wife drank too much and used off-collar off-collar language uh, while campaigning. Uh, it was later turned out that this was just uh, for, the Canuck letter was forged by Richard Nixon to sabotage uh, Muskie's campaign. How am I still learning new sleazeball things <laughs> next yeah. time? Our, our best president. I still love that one of the, the foundations that supported him. The uh, it's referred to as creep committee for the re-election <laughs> yeah. of the president. Like yeah. it, I'm still just blown away how applicable that is. Sometimes yeah. the truth is really stranger than fiction. Yeah. H- humans are really weird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hot take from Phil. <laughs> it's just like with some of the Dallas talking about 1968 and 1972 elections were both really chaotic, weird elections because Bobby got assassinated. Lyndon mm-hmm. uh, B. Johnson dropped out. Uh, George Wallace. Yeah, and incumbent uh, run- president dropped out of a primary. Yeah, he's like, that's I can't. Cra- that is crazy. Uh, George Wallace, a segregationist Democrat, ran as a third party candidate. All this crazy shit happened. That basically Nixon. Uh, uh, I'll talk about Bill Clinton, but Clinton and Nixon were both like helped by these the storms of chaos on the other side that were happening. Hmm. So the storm of chaos on Democrats during 1972. Uh, after the Clinton was released, Muskie wanted to uh, refute it immediately. He was like, "I gotta go to, go to press to talk about this immediately." So it was snowing when, when outside of his office because he, he was going out the country campaigning diligently. So it was snowing outside uh, where the press conference was being held, and he was giving a, a passionate speech uh, saying, "This is all lies. It's made up." And people said uh, Muskie was crying the entire time <laughs> when uh, his team claims that the snow was melting on his face. That's why. <laughs> So, if you see, that's when he lost the election when he cried during yep. that speech. And Washington Post oh, wait, reports. This actually sounds pretty familiar. This is because yeah, because he was talking about his wife and stuff. And yeah, I remember hearing this story. I didn't know Nixon wrote that letter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What was funny is you think about like how Trump's staff is really dumb nowadays. It's like staffers have always been like dumb to a degree. Because uh, Washington Post, a female uh, writer, Marilyn Berger, reported that there's a Nixon White House staffer. Ken Clausen had been bragging to her about writing the Muskie letter. 
Oh, it's like, how dumb are you to be like, yeah, I wrote That's that like, It's like drunk George Papadopoulos. Just like yeah. telling other delegates, yeah, Russia helped us, whatever. Yeah, but Nixon still wins, and Papadopoulos is going to be out of jail in two weeks. So. <laughs> that's true, yeah. that's true. We've always been that's involved, that's but the other front runner was George C. Wallace, the segregation I mentioned before. He's trying to run as a Democrat now, tried to paint himself as more moderate, and he was kind of like a, a, a counterpoint to Nixon. Uh, a, a kind of election where uh, both sides were just as bad. You had, you had potentially Wallace and Nixon, a segregationist versus Nixon. I might <laughs> but, actually have voted for Nixon at that point. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, probably. There were people that I think this was the election that as soon as McCarthy was elected, there were Democratic officials that were nomin- that were uh, promoting Nixon. Yes, that happens when McGovern comes into play. Yeah, <laughs> which is crazy. <laughs> the thing with Nixon's uh, elections that I find really interesting is, at first, I thought his '68 was a landslide, even, but he only won by 0.7 percent of the vote. But it was like still, it was 301 to 191, like Daryl mm-hmm. said earlier. But just to reiterate, I know you said this already, but man, this electoral vote was 520 to 17 against recovery. <laughs> yeah, That's that is really so, crazy. so much. And the popular vote for there was uh, 60.7% to 37.5%. That is Damn, just that is a shit that show. That is just a shit show. And uh, by the way, Reagan uh, won the most electoral votes of any president in history, 525. So. Oh, my okay. God. But yeah, so but the, the reason why George Wallace was. Um, ousted as a front runner was because he literally got crippled after an assassination attempt in Maryland. So that's the only thing that kept the segregationists from being the front runner for Democrats. At Whereas, least. like, I would think, like, if someone survived an assassination attempt and was like, I'm gonna overcome this disability and still be, like, run for office, I would think that would garner more sympathy. But, yeah. Or show, like, p- strength of character. It also depends know. on how, like, how bad it... We don't know if he was actually, like, capable of going on the campaign trail. Yeah, I don't think like, he how, That's true. Like, yeah, because he could have some people being, like, he's not fit for office. Like he Or, like, change. physically, he, he might have been, like... There's, like, there's big uh, degrees of how, you know... Yeah, from the waist down. But, so, I mean, yeah. there's also, there's also like... I'm thinking of it from, like, an FDR perspective, but, like, Hillary had heat... Had pneumonia and passed out once, and it was a huge scandal for months. <laughs> so, like... Well, fuck me, I guess. There were a lot of assassination attempts. Back then. Yeah, yeah. And being, being honestly, being a president is actually like the most dangerous job. Like, if you look at how many were shot in office, mm-hmm. uh, it's more than any other fucking job. That, that's yeah. why when people say oh, twenty sixteen was the craziest election ever, like it, it, it's like it barely compares to like nineteen seventy two, much less like stuff like. The, I still think it's pretty. It's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, For yeah. modern election, yes, but like it's not the maybe top five, but not number one. Like people say, oh, number, easily no election's ever been like this. But it yeah, I think it's people, it's important to keep in mind that like American politics has always been somewhat of a shit show, and like yeah. what happens during it. Like there hasn't been just like. Or I don't know if there's been elections that's just been like purely nice and decent and everyone's very well composed. Like it's always been a lot of mudslinging. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People are trying to win, you know. Like so, they, yeah. they go yeah. they go for it pretty hard. Yeah. One one asterisk I just want to put is we still don't know the entire history of the 2016 election. So yes. in 10 years, I'll then say if it's the craziest. Yeah. Or not. I, I, for number one, it will have to be uh, number 1972 for me, and the fucking like 19, 1968. Oh, they're definitely up there. Yeah. I know we have actually talked about doing a whole episode on the 68 election. Yeah. That is, you know, not mm-hmm. necessarily. Not in the tables, not in the cards anymore. So maybe we'll revisit it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. so uh, McGovern finally came in and with his grassroots campaign, went around uh, conventional 
campaign tactics, traditional party power centers. It was basically like the Bernie Sanders of, of his day, like this uh, uh, grassroots, uh, uh, super leftist guy coming out of nowhere. And uh, students, thousands of students engaged door to door campaigning for him. Uh, but uh, the slogan became he's for amnesty, abortion, and acid because <laughs> that was based on a quote from an a anonymous senator who said, uh, Once Middle America f- uh, finds out that McGovern is for amnesty, abortion, and legalization of pot, he's, he's dead. And that quote became uh, the, like, the slogan against uh, McGovern. Did he run on those issues? <laughs> I wish maybe. <laughs> uh, it's kind of fascinating have. in like retrospect because it's like those three things wouldn't tank any candidate. I don't think. Yeah, well, well uh, this is nineteen seventy-two. Like, but I'm saying yeah. like that nowadays it just shows you how much it changes. Where it's like, yeah, where, at least it wouldn't tank a Democrat. Yeah, those yeah, yeah, three yeah. things would certainly tank a Republican. Well, yeah. and the only right thing is the guy who who gave that anonymous quote. Was the guy ended up picking his future VP? He didn't know that at the time, but, but uh, it was real later. Uh, so oh, uh, Thomas Eagleton, Senator John Thomas Eagleton, he lasted 18 days at McGovern's running mate. It turned out uh, McGovern didn't vet him enough, and he revealed that he had been hospitalized and received electroshock therapy for depression. Wow! And Oof. and the meme became like he's like one heartbeat away from this crazy guy, little crazy guy, becoming oh, president. Man. Is that less time or more time than Carly Fiorina was Ted Cruz's running mate? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, are you... Is this a joke? I forgot about that. Well, because he picked her and then, like, dropped out, like, immediately. Remember? Because I, I thought she was, like, by far the shortest running mate, but maybe not. But, uh, so McGovern, being a, a decent lib, a libby lib, one of the libby <laughs> libs uh, to ever lib, uh, he wanted to support um, Eagleton. Like he didn't want to oust him just because of mental illness. Mm-hmm. So he says, "I'm a thousand percent behind Eagleton. He's gonna save my running mate." But and the party, the party pressure from the other Democrats basically uh, made Eagleton resign. And I made uh, McGovern look really bad because one, he didn't vet Eagleton to learn about this beforehand, mm-hmm. and two, uh, he, he he promised to stick behind him, and Eagleton left anyway. Mm-hmm. So the view that so he just got like. From all ends, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he got Bones. so he, uh, yeah. McGovern yeah. Uh, got Dang crushed, man. and it was it was funny because it was McGovern who Nixon was trying to sabotage with Watergate, and he didn't really have to do it at all. He was he was <laughs> fucking up, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my god, oh, he was sabotaging himself already. <laughs> it's funny too because like the, the whole plan was like get info on their campaign, and if they had gotten it, what would it have been? That is a very <laughs> strange irony. Yeah, you see, uh, uh, crazy selection. I'm telling you guys, fucking Nixon's, <laughs> Nixon's evolved. Like, you can't say any election of Nixon is not going to be one of the craziest ones. <laughs> but um, so we have 1976. This yeah. is where I talk about the memes that start saying, oh, this is where his election got tanked. Because in the 1976 general election debate, uh, no, wait, uh, in a debate, uh, Gerald Ford debate Jimmy Carter, Gerald Ford said, there is no Soviet domination of Eastern Europe and there never will be under Ford administration. And Max Frankel said, I'm, I'm sorry, what? Do uh, you understand, you, sir, that the Russians are not using Eastern Europe as their own sphere of influence and co- occupying most of the countries there? And uh, f- f- if you know history, you know fucking Eastern Europe was controlled by the communists. But mm-hmm. Yeah, like, it wasn't even like a kind of influencing them. They were like Soviet, bl- they were Soviet satellites. Yeah. There, were, there was a wall between East and West Germany. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Hey, but Gerald Ford refused to back down, saying, no, there never was and never will be under my presidency. And people say that's when Gerald Ford lost. But uh, the, the Atlantic posted how that there's no proof that uh, had any effect because Ford was really trailing Carter by 33 points. And he actually gained uh, ground over the election to only trail by two points near the end. So if anything, he gained points out for that, that fucking... By just denying reality and saying, yeah. I, what I want to be true is yeah. true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, which backs up my hypothesis that uh, debates don't matter at all, but... Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> just like, it's trying to win, like, just speaking points on media. I feel yeah. like yeah. debates yeah. matter a lot in a primary, but not as much in a... Gender election. Yeah. So then we have uh, 1988. So now I'm going to contradict my point because here was a, uh, <laughs> a, a, a point where uh, a debate didn't matter. But before we get to that, we'll talk about a bunch of gotcha moments. So Governor Dukakis running against uh, Vice President, former Vice President Bush, who was trying to succeed uh, Reagan. And Dukakis was leading, but with a 17 point in the beginning. But one thing that's funny is Bill Clinton gave the speech nominating Dukakis at the DNC. But it's funny because he spoke for so long. Uh, for like for like nearly thirty three minutes, that people started booing him, and when he said he said in closing Wait, at the er- DNC, yeah, and when he said in closing, people started applauding, saying, "Yeah, get the fuck <laughs> off the stage, basically." <laughs> and, which I find funny. Which which which, which my my most of my hypothesis is that Lincoln, uh, Clinton was overrated as a, a dynamo charismatic guy. <laughs> I mean, thirty three minutes is a long time to just That's speak a about. Long time. Yeah. yeah. Thank you all for listening to this episode for more than thirty three minutes. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> Whoa! End the podcast. <laughs> so, what one one uh, gotcha moment creator was Bush's VP Dan Quayle, who was a thirty-one, a forty-one-year-old unknown senator. Uh, basically, no one knew who he was until uh, Bush picked him, and he was criticized for his lack of experience. Half of the people polled opposed him as VP pick. Was he like a Sarah Palin? Yeah, kind of like like less so compared to Sarah Palin, but like Sarah Palin of his day. Yeah. Uh, one of the most famous moments, another reason why debates don't matter, especially VP debates, because uh, he got fucking annihilated in the VP debate. Uh, he kept comparing himself to John F. Kennedy, saying, I'm young and dynamic, just like John F. Kennedy. <laughs> and Benson, the, the other VP nominee, said, uh, Senator, I served Jack Kennedy. I knew Jack Kennedy. Jack Kennedy yes. was a friend of mine. Senator, you're no Jack Kennedy. And everyone was like, yeah, he fucking annihilated him. It made no difference. Dukakis lost, so... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then uh, another funny moment was Greeks, then... Greeks in American politics never make it. You have Dukakis and you have Spiro Agnew, who was fucking Nixon's VP, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who then got he got charged with something, right? Didn't he fucking after Nixon stepped down? He I don't remember. I don't remember either. Oh, whatever. Whatever. Well, there has to be a reason why he wasn't president. Yeah. In 1992, uh, it doesn't matter. In 1992, uh, uh, the was running again. They had a funny moment where. In a photo op, he went to a school, an elementary school, and they had a potato written on the chalkboard. And he told the kid to fix it and put an E at the end. And the kid was like uncertain, saying, uh, should I? And he's like, yeah, yeah, you write it right, potato with an E. And then he, he did it like awkwardly. And then, that's that's what I know. That's all I know about quail, you know, yeah. the potato thing. <laughs> yeah, so but, but, uh, uh, but that's not going to debate. But back to the caucus. Uh, the gotcha moment that uh, people claim uh, Tenku's career was the moderator asked if his wife uh, Kitty was raped and murdered, would you support the death penalty for the killer? And Dukakis tried to give a measured response, saying, "No, I've always opposed the death penalty. I would not support in that in that in that uh, situation." And basically, uh, people view that as a cold response. And his uh, poll numbers dropped seven points to one night because of that response. Wow, that's wow. a that's a drop. Yeah, so and, and, and that's when people like that's when like uh, the gotcha moment really started becoming a thing in politics because uh, people thought that that was like a dirty thing to drop on uh, uh, during a debate. Like, because mm-hmm. like how do you how do you respond to that in the moment and try to give a message yeah. response? Yeah, 
And uh, on top of that was uh, a photo Dukakis released where it was him on a tank trying to show he's tough on defense. And it's like him sitting on top of a tank with like military helmet on. And people thought he looked like he was playing uh, pretend soldier. <laughs> he was. <laughs> it's yeah. like it's like Jared Kushner with the vest on. Oh my god! All the photos yeah. of that earlier. Yeah, and uh, it was so bad that Bush actually started using it in campaign ads himself. <laughs> and, like, listening to caucuses, trying to oppose like military budget increase and stuff like that, and Dukakis got fucked. Uh, got fucked uh, because. Of that. <laughs> mm. And so that gets into night night two. Uh, uh, the memes about why Bush lost, why George W. Bush lost. Yeah, he, he's Don Quayle, George H. W. Bush, George H. W. Bush. Yes, Don Quayle, the potato, and then there's another one where um, George Bush went to a supermarket and they had these scanners there, and the, the newspaper, uh, New York Times, published it that he went to the supermarket, was surprised by all technology, uh, talking about the supermarket scanners. Like, wow, you can scan. <laughs> what a crazy concept. Uh, it turned out that uh, New York Times wasn't even present at the moment. Uh, he based his article on the two-paragraph report filed by uh, uh, a newspaper man. He, the guy only wrote that he, the Bush had a look of wonder on his face, and people at the spot said it was mostly that he was trying to be curious and polite uh, while they were showing him what's going on in the store. Mm-hmm. And the, the scanner he was impressed by was like a new new one that actually measured uh, weight and could read mangled and torn barcodes and stuff like that. It was like a new fashion one. But New York, Times, New York Times, fake news. Yeah, fake yeah. news about to make the exact same joke. Yeah, fake so fake news, <laughs> New York Times, uh, sabotage, Bush, bastards, uh, he could have won. But uh <laughs> and and number two was that Bush looked at his watch during a town hall debate, uh, which I don't give a fuck about, but people say that tanked his election, show him he was disinterested, disconnected from the people's concerns and shit like that. But um and when it doesn't anyway asked Bush what he was thinking at the time. Uh, he said, I-, "I was thinking only ten more minutes of this crap, which I applaud him for." That's <laughs> Sly. You hate Bill Clinton so much that you're trying to make me feel bad for George H. W. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say Sly, this guy that's like a fuck Obama forever, and he's like, <laughs> "I applaud George Bush." <laughs> well, the funny thing is, George H. Bush was like the best, uh, best recent president, uh, Republican president, and Clinton was a step down for Democrats, so it's hard to compare them. Like that's when both sides are just as bad in this weird way. But I don't know. But, sure. But, I don't know. Uh, George Bush raised taxes. Uh, he was he had, he had the opposite foreign policy as his son. Like a lot of different uh, fact. Like he was. He was a recurring character on The Simpsons. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> and you, you could point to his uh, business uh, neoliberalism that he was a piece of shit. But so was Clinton. I, I don't know who I support. <laughs> but uh, so Ross Perot came in. Uh, when he was came into came in uh, as a ter- as a third party, he was leading the polls of thirty nine percent, which is huge. Thirty nine percent for a third independent candidate. And mm-hmm. He largely financed his own campaign, had white grassroots support, and was used as a populist hero, basically Trump of his day. His polls started slipping in the 20s after a negative campaigns from Republicans, and Pro uh, uh, was paranoid that Republicans would disrupt his personal life. Uh, like he was afraid that uh, they would disrupt his daughter's wedding with Photoshop loot photos of her, and that the Republicans were tapping his phone. So he ended up announcing that he was dropping out of the election, and only to come in back in October. And a lot of people view that as what really tanked his campaign, him believing in coming back, uh, because uh, he was he was doing a he ended up with ninety uh, percent of the popular vote by the, by the end, which is I the didn't most one that he just he dropped out himself. Yeah, and he was that was the most one by third party since Senator Rove in nineteen twelve, and it is hard to argue that uh, the the Republican split was not what caused Bill Clinton's victory. And people say Bill Clinton won because he's so conservative. People want to conservative, but no, it's because. 
Uh, the mm. vote, the Republican vote was literally spit with Ross Perot. So fuck you, anyone who's defending Republican. <laughs> as a charismatic fucking dynamo, fuck you. Uh, have you heard him play sax, you piece of shit? He's really good. <laughs> and the, the meme I want to talk about that caught on about Ross Perot's uh, uh, failure was another irrelevant VP debate. His running mate, James Stockdale, <laughs> said it during his opening statement during the VP debate. Who am I? Why am I here? And people basically painted him as a senile old man at the debate. <laughs> when the point was that, like, uh, I'm not a politician. Everyone knows that. I'm here to make yeah. a difference. But yeah. they, everyone painted it with, who am I? Why am I here? Like, what's going on? Uh, <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yes, and that's uh, uh, irrelevant memes throughout uh, political history. I feel like that's that's a very common thing when they're like, this is the moment that sank the presidency. And no, it's whenever somebody loses, everyone runs to be like, why did they lose? Usually it's because of a thousand reasons. Yes. Yeah. So those are elections. Everyone's informed and ready to vote now, right? Yeah, we definitely yeah. told people how to vote in the 2018 <laughs> Yeah, November yeah. Just elections. go move to a different state and, and vote in that state. Become a citizen of that state. If you live in New York, I think the gubernatorial primary is tomorrow. Oh. Right? Because it, it was it? moved to the Thursday for <laughs> uh, Rosh Hashanah. But so it'll be after you listen to this episode. Eh? Yeah, it'll be the day after this comes out. So, so hopefully you won't vote. Help you at all. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully vote tomorrow. Yeah, I'm definitely probably registered to vote in my new place of residence. <laughs> Phil, oh my God. No, I, I am. I actually am. But I, I don't know if it was too late, right? Oh, it when... might have been too. Yeah, because because I registered you have like, to register like, like 10 years ago. Three or four <laughs> weeks ago when I moved here, but we'll see. I have to check. Well,. Either way, everyone vote in November. Please, for the love of God, please. <laughs> if we don't take back the house, the show will probably end because I can't do it. <laughs> but anyway, uh, but yeah, after you vote, you should check out the rest of the shows of the Flying Machine Network, flyingmachine.network. Uh, I want to recommend our other show, Divisive Issues, because it's great, and we're doing Identity Crisis, and it's a much more... It's a much less silly and more, like, nuanced morality talk about comic books than we usually have. So I think if you're an Oops fan, it might be a good time to jump over there. We're halfway through it. We're doing a two-parter. So, yeah. yeah it's, it's pretty interesting, even if you don't know anything about it. I would recommend jumping in just to be like, hear us talk about how uh, writers, like, how you treat superheroes, new superheroes, women. Yeah. And yeah. I've had a couple people... Tell me they really like the episode, even though they haven't read the book. So there you go. Mm -hmm. This is your in. Do it. And yeah, you also check out all the other shows like Stranger Still, Potster, Falling in Love Montage, etc., etc. Oh, Sly, there's a new episode of DM It All out, right? Oh yeah, new episode of DM It All. I, I, I've ever plugged it on this show. I don't even know. <laughs> no, know. you haven't. <laughs> uh, so if you like uh, Dungeons and Dragons, me and Daryl have a YouTube Dungeons and Dragons show called DM It All. Uh, you can search for it by hopefully finding it on YouTube. And Googling DM it all, hopefully finding it. We'll eventually have enough subscribers that will have the URL. <laughs> and DM it's it all. DM it all on Twitter, right? Yeah, and DM it all on Twitter. You can search on Twitter. Cool. And so we just came out uh, with a new episode. We talk about DD modules, DD books, and like evolutions of classes throughout DD history. Mm -hmm. uh, and a recent one was about uh, the, the earliest, the, the first series of DD novels. And how they made adventure to adventures to tie into those novels, and how th those novels and those adventures basically changed D and D to be more story story oriented. Cool, and that's that's it. So thank you all for listening to Oops I Talk Politics. I've been slandering my co-hosts in the press. Who am I? Why am I here? I've been another Greek failing to win an election. 
And I've ruined my chances at the presidency with a Dean scream. Yeah! <laughs> Oops, I ended the podcast. I give you the incredible flying machine. Got him, liberals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So is that it for... So let's kill ourselves. That's it. <laughs> is that so, it for everything? So, Daryl... That's it. We've been twice wish. I mean... <laughs> this has been the only podcast you need to listen to. <laughs> so, Daryl, you mentioned the website 538. Right? And so, Phil, you want to go into more detail about those? I will after our commercial break. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah, five. Please buy dildos. Dildos. <laughs> Everywhere you look, it's a dildo. You can get a dildo shipped to your house, and if you don't like it, 60-day trial, they'll send it. Send Anything back. can be a dildo. I, Use I, your I, imagination. Glad you guys know that this is going to go at the end of the episode now. <laughs> we got, some, we got some good bloopers. Okay.